Before we begin our Torah study this morning, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam asher kidshenu b'mitzvah tav etzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. This is really a great time to worship the Lord. It's a great time to live in Florida. Today's a good day to live in Florida. And I'm happy for that. We're going to be talking about blessings and breakthroughs and how they can be connected together. And also how important it is to to pay attention to the word of direction and leadership that the Lord gives us so that we know how to move forward because moving forward is not as simple as just moving or moving straight ahead because we need to know the right direction to move in. I like to laugh about the purpose of testosterone. It is so men can keep driving even when we don't know where we're going. And I remember this one incident when um, Sandy and I were, I, I would call it lost. I was driving, I didn't know where to go, and I didn't know how to get around. We had a map, but it wasn't working for us. We couldn't figure out where we were. That was the big problem. So eventually we went to a gas station and wouldn't you know, there was somebody who was ready to give us directions. And he came over to our car. These were in the days when that could happen. And I had rolled down my window, and he started giving us directions. And he told us every detail about how to go and to get where we were going to go. And then he walked away. I rolled the window up. I started driving, and I turned to Sandy, and I said, Did he say to turn right or left here? I couldn't remember anything, (laughs) but that didn't stop me. No, I just kept going. And I think that there are times when we are so motivated to move, it doesn't even seem to matter to us whether we're going in the right direction. We just want to move. Maybe it's because we want to get away from where we are. But sometimes the right direction is not obvious, and we may take the wrong direction, the wrong turn, simply because we are only considering what is obvious at the time. Sometimes the right direction isn't even evident, and we may take the wrong direction simply because we only choose between what is already evident to us. And this week's Torah portion teaches us about how to move forward in hope and faith, and how God can make a way for you to move forward. When Israel was trapped at the Red Sea and the Egyptians were in hot pursuit, God made a way for Israel. He made a way that did not exist, and it could only be recognized by faith and by a faithful response of obedience. Now, it wasn't what people call blind faith. Have you heard this term? 
blind faith? It wasn't that. It was a different kind of faith. You could call it listening faith because it was faith that hears. Because the Lord had actually given a word to Israel, and Israel needed to listen. This is why the greatest commandment, Yeshua says, is Shema Yisrael. Listen, listen. So we could say faith that hears is what God is calling us to. And I think that many breakthroughs come when we actually take the time to listen and we hear the word of the Lord, and after that we set out. And you know what? It can be hard to get quiet enough to listen. Have you ever tried to? I, I have had times when I have, in, in my time of prayer with the Lord, I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I just had to yap to the Lord. How many of you have some experiences like that? I was talking so much I couldn't listen. And there are other times when I tried to be quiet because I knew I needed to quiet down and listen and immediately, well, let's say after five seconds, my mind began to wander. And I started thinking about what I saw outside or the birds I was hearing. Or I was thinking about lunch or I was thinking about breakfast, or I was thinking about coffee, or I was thinking about chocolate. Am I stirring anything? Rarely in times of prayer do I think about donuts, but it could happen. But there have been times when I felt I had to say something, and, and yet the Spirit of God was just saying to me, shh, listen. Quiet down and listen. And that's not always easy for me. Many breakthroughs, I believe, depend on us taking time to listen. And then when we hear something from the Lord, taking that to heart and moving forward based on what the Lord says. So before we look at the Torah portion, I want to remind you of some really important things that will give you a sense, I believe, of solid security. I want to remind you that every disciple of Yeshua has a promise, you could say an assurance, that's even better, an assurance that God wants to lead and guide you. Not everyone knows this for sure. But this is the will of God. I'm going to tell it to you very simply. The will of God is that he could guide you and lead you. That's his will. That's his desire. That's what he's committed to. And one of the radical claims of Yeshua is that the Holy Spirit will be given to you in order to lead you and to guide you and to go with you. I want to read to you from John chapter 16, verse 13. One verse captures this so powerfully. When the spirit of truth comes, Yeshua said, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Now that last line, let me put it in other words. He will bring you word about the future. I really like that. 
The Holy Spirit of God is given to us in order to guide and to lead us. Paul wrote about this assurance to the Italian believers in Rome. It's Romans 8, verse 14. The children of God, these are the ones who are being led by the Spirit. So God sends his Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you. And I think this is connected to the fact that we've been made in the image of God, but not only that, we have the capacity to be led. We have hearts and souls and spirits that can respond to the Lord's guidance, his leadership, his direction, his instruction. It's important that we be born from above, be born again, if you will, in order to fully perceive the kingdom of God. But we're not only made in the image of God, we are also his children. We're part of his family, his mishpocha. And so you might smile and pat someone on the back who's sitting near you and just say, you're part of the family. You're part of God's family. Congratulations. Now let's turn to an earlier chapter in John, John 14, 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. Yeshua says, The Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. I like how succinct Yeshua is about ways that the Holy Spirit works. He says he'll teach you and he'll remind you. So he'll remind you of what Yeshua has said. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's important to read in the Brit HaDashah the words of Yeshua so that it will be in your memory because you've got to give God something to work with if he's going to remind you. The Holy Spirit can remind you. And there are times when you won't remember, but the Holy Spirit will, and the Spirit of God will remind you, and you'll say, oh, yeah, now I remember, or now I get it. And I think this is all connected to what Yeshua said about the need we have to abide in him. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you can ask. The Lord, I think, is clear. He puts value on the learning process and on maturity, on the process of growing up. And growing up involves effort and it involves study. It's not just gifts that come to you. There are some people who just don't want to use their brain. They don't want to use their minds. They don't want to work hard. And that will be a limiting factor. You will not be able to grow up. You will not be able to function with the full capacity that God has in mind for you if you continue in, in that attitude. We are taught to learn. In fact, I want to emphasize this with a verse from Psalm 143. It was a prayer of King David. 
And this is really worth taking note of. It's Psalm 143, verse 10. King David prayed this, Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good and gracious spirit lead me forward on level ground. I, I think this is such a great prayer. Teach me, Lord, to do your will. Because it's a prayer from the heart. And I think it's a powerful prayer. Because it connects the heart and the mind and the will together. We're saying to the Lord when we pray like that, I want to learn from you about your will. I want to learn what is good. I want to learn what to do in certain situations. And I think this prayer is, is powerful because it's really based on a relationship between one person and the Lord, and it's a growing relationship. David already knows that the Lord is good, and that he's gracious, but he wants to know the Lord more and more. I feel that way, don't you? I, I say to the Lord, I want to know you more. I know he's good, and I know he's gracious, but I think it's, it's so important for us to be able to say to God, I want to learn more from you. Teach me, train me. Train me in doing your will. So it's not just knowledge. Knowledge is important, but it's also action. And I think of this in a certain way, because this type of learning involves practice. And I, I compare it to driving a car. And I was, I was thinking about times when Sandy and I have been in Israel. We've been many times. And I just asked her a question yesterday. I said, when I say the next word, tell me what you think of. And she said, okay. I said, here's the word, Lamed. And she said, I think of a student driver in Israel. And I said, yeah, exactly. I knew she thought of that, because it's a code word we'll use. Lamed. There's a Lamed. So in Israel, you'll see when, when you're driving around, you'll see that there are cars that have the Hebrew letter Lamed. We're going to try to, I, I don't know if we will put it on the screen. Um, we'll show it to you. I've already posted it on Facebook. So. Um, you can go to Facebook and check it out. But this letter, Lamed, is in a white triangle with a blue letter, and it sits on a, as a sign on top of cars that have student drivers. Now, for every student driver, there's also a teacher. And so you've got... You've got Lamed's on top of the car. You've got the driver who's a student who's learning to drive. And that's why when you see the Lamed, you know what to do. Be careful. 
They're still learning how to drive. Be careful because they don't have enough practice yet to drive on their own. Have you ever driven behind a student driver where they're driving so slow it drives you crazy? <laughs> there are so many ways that a student driver can make mistakes. They have to learn. They have to learn by practice. In a way, we're all lamids. We're all student drivers in life. And this is why King David was able to pray, Lord, teach me to do your will. Teach me to, to drive in life, to live in life, to walk in life according to your will. Teach me about your will and, and build in me the capacity and give me the experience and, and let it become second nature to me that I handle these things well. We're like people who are learning to drive, so you might smile at the person next to you and just say, you're a Lamed too. You're a Lamed. I'm a Lamed. We're all Lameds in this thing together. And so I want to ask you to, to join me in a simple prayer. It's the prayer of King David. And you can pray this out loud. And those of you who are online, I want to encourage you to write this prayer, your prayer, and put it in the comments section and add your prayer into the comments and then say it out loud as well. It's a simple prayer. It's, Lord, teach me. Teach me to do your will. Lord, teach me to do your will. Sometimes when we are in the midst of difficult situations or trouble of some kind, we need to refocus and center not on the problem but on the Lord. And that's why I think it can be a powerful prayer when we say, Lord, because we start by turning our attention to him. Lord, teach me to do your will. Teach me, Lord. It's not just enough to know about the information, but to learn to have a heart that takes seriously what is good in the eyes of the Lord. This is so important. Teach me to do your will. Now, if, if you can pray like that, you can also pray for other people. You can pray for those who are sitting with you. Lord, teach her to do your will. Teach him to do your will. Teach us to do your will. And there's a promise connected to this, which King David vocalizes. It, it's, it's about the gracious spirit of God will lead me, will lead me forward. And I think about that. I think that's a Kadima prayer for sure. Guide me, Lord. Guide me forward. And think about a guide. A guide goes with you. He takes you. He doesn't just give you a map or give you a set of directions. He accompanies you. It's powerful when someone says, I'll take you there. 
And I love this part of the prayer from King David. Lead me forward on level ground. For a lot of reasons, I think level ground really means reality. Guide the real me in this real life. Not the me who's like super spiritual and not the me who's depressed and not the me who's just nervous and beside myself, but the real me. Guide me, Lord. Train me. Teach me. Work with me, Lord. Take me with you. Lead me forward, Lord, on this level ground. I don't need to live on the mountaintop, and I don't want to live deep in the valleys. I want to go on level ground with you. And there is another final foundational thought I want to remind you. The universe has two different ways of working. For those who love God and respond to his purposes, God causes all things to work together for good. That's in Romans 8.28. Now, for those who don't love God, for those who aren't responsive to his purposes, not everything will work out for your good. When you do love God and you respond to his purposes, it changes the way the universe works around you. There is a special spiritual synergy. In fact, the, the Greek in this text says works together, and it uses a word from which we get synergy. There is synergy. Things work together in life. Things work together for good. Now, with that in mind, I want to I move forward with a look at this week's Torah portion where we can see how God leads us forward and makes a way so that we can move forward in hope and faith. And we read some of this last week, and I said we'd come back to it because I, I, I want to take you somewhere. But let's start in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. It says this, when Pharaoh finally let the children of Israel go, God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory even though that was the shortest route to the promised land, God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So the Lord didn't lead them along the shortest route. And it uses this word for, for lead, and it's like guide. He didn't go with them and take them that way. It's not that he didn't point them in a direction. He didn't go in a direction that he was calling them to go in. He didn't take them that way. And think about it. The way that the Lord takes you may seem indirect, and there can be a reason for it. It may be indirect. But don't lose heart because of that. The shortest route in this case was not the best. We, we talked about this last week. The Lord said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. I think it was 11 years ago, Sandy and I were studying this passage together, and I took note of one of Sandy's observations. 
She said, God does not despise our humanity and our human condition. And I made note of that. And I think, I think she's right. The Lord factors our humanity into his plans for us. The way that the Lord took Israel did have its own dangers. And it had its own risks, but they were better than the other way because he knew the people. And he knew they were vulnerable to surrender in the face of danger. He did not want them to surrender. He did not want them to go back. He wanted to teach them and equip them. He did not want them to die as heroes or as martyrs. He wanted them to live. And so Exodus 13, verse 18 says, So, or for this reason, God led them in a roundabout way. I really like that that phrase, roundabout way, through the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And thus the Israelites left Egypt like an army ready for battle. In some ways, they looked like an army ready for battle, but you know what? They weren't actually ready for battle. They had some basic organization. They had no experience. They had no discipline. They were not an army. They were families going out together, and the fighting men, the captains, and the leaders had not yet emerged. Now let's go to the next chapter, Exodus 14, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahirot between Migdol and the sea. They're to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Verse 3. Now, the Lord is like opening up how he thinks things are going to work out. And he says, Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And so... The Israelites did this. So think about it. The Lord was saying, you'll wander around, it will look like that. It'll seem like you don't know what to do and where to go. And Pharaoh and his army will come after you. And that's perfect. Perfect. Let's keep reading. Exodus 14, verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and the Israelites were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. It's important detail. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. So I want you to notice this, because at this moment, they face fear with faith, and they cry out to the Lord. And it speaks to something that that I call the faith factor. And what do I mean by the faith factor? I mean, it, it, it means to take into account what God gives us by faith. That's the faith factor. When you hear the word of the Lord and you say, aha, that applies here. That's the faith factor at work. 
But you can understand how hard it is to hold on to faith in the face of such terror. It was hard for them. It would have been hard for me. It's hard for, for you. It's hard for anyone. And look what happens. Everyone can realize they're all lamids. They're all student drivers in life. I've taught, I've taught a number of teenagers to drive, and some older folks as well. And several people asked me to teach them to drive because they knew I wouldn't yell at them. And there was somebody in their family who was going to teach them who already had yelled at them enough. And that just freaked them out. They got, all, they got more nervous, not less nervous. And so I've, I've taught a number of people to drive. I like to teach little kids, really little kids, how to swim for much the same reason. I know that they can overcome their fear if they can just learn to put their face in the water and blow some bubbles and then lift it up. And the fear just goes right away when they learn to do that. It's very interesting. So I like, I, I like that type of teaching. But I understand something. We're all lamas in this life. We are all learning to live. We're all going through experiences that we've never had before. And we have to... We have to approach that with some wisdom. Exodus 14.11 tells us what happens next. And think of them as lamids, if you will. They all said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now let me point something out. The loss of hope is connected to the loss of faith. And in the same way, the loss of faith is connected to the loss of hope. If you lose one, you will lose the other. And if you gain one, you can gain the other. So what's the indication that there's a loss of hope? They're saying, were there no graves in Egypt? We're going to die in the wilderness. And what's the sign of the loss of faith? It would have been better to keep being slaves than to die here. When hope and faith break down, we start seeing the future with a false sense of despair, and we imagine the future is terrible. And another effect, we can think of the past as the golden age. And then we start thinking of the future as the tarnished age, if you will, and we're thinking, oh, if only we could go back to where we were before. This loss of hope, this loss of faith affect the way people think about what is forward? Because when you're in that condition, going back can seem like forward. They're, they're thinking, what's our next step? And they've got it. Let's go back to Egypt. Because they lost awareness of what God wants to do and where he's taking them. 
the faith factor was not working. So when you're in such a situation, you can remember the words that God has already given you. Remember the promises of God and thank the Lord for that word. That's that word that God gave is meant to be remembered and to be held on to, and you need it at the very moment of challenge or crisis. Thank the Lord for his promises. That's one of the ways that you put the faith factor into work. And so let's think about the question, what was God's word to Israel for that moment of danger? It was this, I'm going to take you to this place, and then I'm going to bring you through. The Lord had a protective reason and a counterintuitive reason about this. The protective is this. He said to Israel, you need protection because this way, this indirect way, this roundabout way, is actually the safer way. It's what you're ready to handle now. The short route would take you prematurely into battles, and you aren't strong enough in your faith. You aren't ready for battles. You don't know how to fight. You can't fight. I've seen this happen in congregational life. People get into distress, and then they don't know how to do battle spiritually, and so they fight each other rather than fighting the spiritual warfare. That brings you right back to Egypt. The counterintuitive part is this, and listen to this really carefully. The Lord is saying, you don't know how to fight, and if you even see battle, you will want to go back. Here's the part to pay close attention to. The Lord says, I want you to watch me fight for you. I want you to learn that I will fight for you. That's what he was saying to Israel. Here's the promise. The Lord was saying, you will see me defeat the plans of your enemies. And that's how I'm equipping you for the future. That's how I will teach you. This is how you will learn, the Lord is saying, that he is able to rescue you now that you've already left Egypt. So, Mishpacha, sometimes Egypt wants to come after you. You better be ready. The water of the Red Sea became an instrument of redemption. Egypt could not come through the waters, but Egypt didn't know that. And God directed the path. He knew that it would draw out Egypt for one final conflict in Exodus 14, 13. Moses answered the people and said, don't be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the salvation of the Lord that he will bring you today. The Egyptians who you see today, you will never see again. And this is so important, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. There are times when people don't know how to fight. And when they see conflict, they just want to go back to. Because they don't know how to fight. 
And in those situations, don't run back. Seek the Lord. Maybe he gave you a word about what to do. But verse 14 is this key. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Now this is summarized again in Psalm 106. A few verses I'm going to read to you. I hope you can stay with me for this. Psalm 106, verses 7 through 12. Our fathers in Egypt did not grasp your wonders or remember your loving kindness, but they were contentious by the sea. They're at the Red Sea. And yet, he saved them for the sake of his name in order to make his power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through the dry sands of a desert. He saved them from the hand that hated them. He redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their foes. Not one of their adversaries was left, and then they believed his words and his promises, and they sang his praise. Michamocha ba'alim Adonai. You see, this is how they learned. It was through the experience. It wasn't through just reading a book or getting information. They had to have the experience of being saved. And they had to learn to choose faith and trust God and to not to try to do anything else instead. Stand still, keep quiet, stop talking. Stop being contentious. Now, sometimes we have to cry out to the Lord. But it's not the same as crying out with a complaint or just venting. Don't think you're serving the Lord by letting people vent to you. You may or may not be. It could be that you're just serving the adversary. Sometimes we need to cry out to the Lord. And when we do that, the shalom of God will protect us. The peace of God will protect emotions and thoughts, hearts and mind. And then you'll see the salvation of God and you'll know it was God who saves you. I'll show you this. It wasn't just the children of Israel. Exodus 14, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me still? Tell the sons of Israel, go forward. And then verse 19, Exodus 14, verse 19, the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel changed position and went behind them. The pillar of cloud changed position from before them and stood behind them. And the scripture says that the, that night the Spirit of God blew a mighty wind that opened up the Red Sea and dried the ground for Israel to walk on, and God made a way where there was no way. And he caused it to work together for good. And all of this happened because the Lord was guiding and leading them. The Lord was present. And when the scripture talks about the angel of the Lord like that, it's not generally talking about angels. It's talking about the Lord being visible and present and, and 
detectable. You can see him. Verse 31 says, And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did with the Egyptians, and the people of Israel feared the Lord. And they put their trust in the Lord and in his servant Moses. I love that so much. Sometimes we are so allergic to fear that we're also allergic to the fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord will rescue you. It won't harm you because it is... It is not destructive, it's reference, it's it's having respect for God, and it leads to faith in God's goodness and power to save. The children of Israel, you know the story, got to the other side. The Egyptians pursued, the waters came in, that was the end of the Egyptian army. On the other side, everyone's singing. Part of the song, I will sing unto the Lord, for he's highly exalted. The horse and its rider he's hurled into the sea. So look what they're doing. Now they're thanking the Lord. Now they're praising God. They're singing to him. And what are they doing? Pay attention to this. They are recounting what he has done. They're telling the story and they're telling the facts. And then verse 2. This is Exodus 15, verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. I couldn't save myself. He saved me. He's my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. This is so interesting. The children of Israel couldn't fight. They weren't an army. But the Lord was a warrior. The Lord is his name. He fights for you, Mishpacha. Pharaoh's chariots, his army, he's hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. And then there's this praise. Your right hand, O Lord, was majestic in power. When the scriptures use this phrase, the right hand of God, it is a reference to the Son of God, the Son of Man, Yeshua the Messiah, God who is God, who comes down from heaven. And so we learn something from all of this. When we have blessings in front of us and we experience breakthroughs, you know what it's good to do? Bless God and say, thank you, Lord. And then encourage each other by telling each other what God has done. That's what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to recognize blessings that are coming forward in your own lives, in breakthroughs that have been set up by the Lord, and recognize them and thank the Lord for those. Thank the Lord for the blessings. Thank the Lord for the breakthroughs. And then tell other people. And don't give in to that superstitious, Jinxing, fear of jinxing. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh no, if I tell people, it'll jinx it. It hasn't fully happened yet. If I tell them it's going to happen or it's begun to happen or I think it has already happened, that will jinx it. That's superstitious. There's another side. You're afraid of being embarrassed if you're wrong. It's okay. 
put those things aside. It's time to be audacious with the Lord about what the Lord takes initiative for. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not having hubris or pride in yourself. It's recognizing what God wants to do. When I was at the rabbi's conference, I volunteered to speak about raising up shepherds for the house of Israel. And as I was preparing for it, the only thing I could think of is how things can go wrong. And I was thinking about the heartaches and the headaches, and they were very real to me. <laughs> and I had to come to the Lord, and I said, I don't know why I volunteered for this. And as I cast that upon him, he gave me a word. It was so simple. He said, read my word about shepherds. And so I started reading. I put aside my heartaches and my headaches and my experience for a moment, and I started reading about the Scriptures, and the Scriptures started speaking to my heart, and I read in Jeremiah 23, which is foundational for the Messianic movement. The Lord says about Himself, I will raise up shepherds for the house of Israel. And I looked into the, the Hebrew and it, it's something like this, I will stir up and I will revive and resuscitate. I will give life to them. I will do it. And you know what? I got delivered at that moment from the false burden of thinking about the heartaches and the headaches of my own experience. And I found something else. The Lord says he'll do it. He will do it. It doesn't mean we don't have a part, but he says he will do it. And so that puts us in the position of joining him rather than trying to do it in our own power. As I started reading the scriptures, you know what happened? I was excited. I was motivated. I was enthusiastic. I, I, I remembered, I discovered, I was renewed. I was encouraging other rabbis to the point that one of the rabbis said, I'm going to call you Rabbi Barnabas. And he said, you encouraged me so much, I'm going to call you Barnabas now. You can't give away what you don't have. And there's no reason to fake it, Mishpocha. Level ground. That means be real. Be real. The Lord will guide you on level ground. Get real. Get real. He'll take you. He'll take you forward. This is what he's wanting to stir up in us. It's the hope and the expectation that he will do what he said he will do. And be delivered now of every false idea that you have that looks like, did he just bring us out here to die? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Didn't I tell you just to leave us alone and let things be? All of those are lies from the enemy 
that are meant to defeat you and to take you back into slavery and into a past that God was trying to get you out of. And so I say in the name of Yeshua, be free from that. Be healed from that. Be delivered from that. That is not the wisdom of God. Those are lies from the enemy. I think it's okay if I talk to you like that. How, because we, there are many of us who need that healing and need that freedom and need that encouragement and need to know where God is headed and not allow disillusionment to continue to delude us or to lead us in the wrong way. There's one way God wants to go. He wants to go forward into the good future that he purposed to do with us, through us, on our behalf. Even when we don't know how to fight, he will fight for us. Then we have to learn how to fight, put on the full armor of God. We have to learn but we're all Lamids on this bus. Every one of us is a Lamid. We're all learning. Take heart. Well, I got to stop. Even though I could go, no doubt, for hours, hours more. And the reason is I'm overflowing with what God is doing. That's why. But I will spare you because we've got other good things ahead. We've got a great Oneg ahead and you've got to get there. And by the way, in just a moment when we go over there, meet me over there. Don't stop me here. <laughs> I'm going to ask for that every week until it becomes second nature because I'm happy to talk to everyone, but I want it over there so we can all take turns so that together we can connect. Okay? Well, we're going to close now with Aaron's blessing. And those of you who are watching online, I, I hope you receive this blessing too. Thank you, David, for standing with me. And those of you who want to stand with us financially, you can find out all the information on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, ya'er Adonai p'navelecha v'chunecha, yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. May the Lord bless you and may he guard and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his shalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. So from Sandy and me and the entire Beth Israel Mishpocha, Shabbat Shalom, everyone.